Today's scripture comes from Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. You can find it in the Pew Bible on pages 47 and 48 of the Old Testament. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and saw their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian being a Hebrew, one of his kinsfolk. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he said to the one who was in the wrong, Why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? He answered, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh. He settled in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When was the last time you really wanted a do-over? When you needed a chance to go back and fix something you'd screwed up. If only I'd thought about it a little more, you might have said to yourself, or if only I'd known then what I know now. Sometimes we just say stupid stuff and wish we could take it back. That never happens to you guys, does it? I remember a few years ago, I was at the ordination dinner at annual conference, a very uh, fancy event, an important event, and one of my jobs that year was to give a little welcome speech to the ordinands and their families that had gathered before the worship service. I was kind of the warm-up speaker before I introduced the bishop. And that year, we had several international clergy that were going to be ordained, and I wanted to recognize that some of the family members had come from really far away. So I mentioned that I was so glad to have families that had come all the way from Singapore and South Korea, or at least that's what I intended to say. <laughs> When I finished my five minutes of speaking, I sat back down at my table and my friends who were sitting with me leaned over to me and whispered, you do realize you just said North Korea, don't you? I said, no, I didn't. They said, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. They said, yes, you did. I wanted to crawl under the table. I wanted to die. North Korea and South Korea are not the same place, by the way. I wanted so bad a second chance to make that first impression with those families, but you know as well as I do that that is impossible. We all have ridiculous moments like that when we desperately want a second chance so that people don't think we're dumb. But then there are more serious moments, aren't there, when we desperately want a second chance. Moments when we've made a mistake that radically changes our lives or moments when we've done something that deeply hurts another person. Maybe you've had some moments like that in your life too. When you spoke out of anger or out of fear and you ended up damaging a relationship. Maybe you quit something once that now you wish you'd tried a little harder or you'd stuck in a little longer. Maybe you cheated on someone. Maybe you let a coworker take the fall for one of your mistakes. Maybe you've done something illegal. Maybe you've done something deeply and unethical and you wish with all your might that you could go back and make a different choice and have a second chance. We all end up collecting regrets in our lives. Some things are little and they sting for just a while and some are a lot bigger and those regrets linger and weigh us down. But it's part of just being human that we have moments that we wish we could forget 
that we wish we could change, and we can't avoid that. But I'm here with good news today. Over and over again in the Bible, we have testimony about a God who specializes in second chances. We have a God who loves giving people a second chance. We have a God who repeatedly looks past somebody's screw-ups and says, in one way or another, hey, let's start this again. Let's see what you can do the second time around. We have a God who refuses to let our worst moments be the last word on our worth. Today is the first Sunday of Lent, and Lent, as you know, is a six-week period of reflection and preparation for the celebration of Easter. And as we move through Lent together this year, I wanted to explore with you some stories we have in the scripture of second chances. I want us to see and know for ourselves more about this God who's ready to wipe the slate clean and give us a new start. And today we have our first case study for second chances, Moses. Now Moses, probably heard his name before. We know he's a hero, this amazing man who led his people out of slavery in Egypt. He led them through their wilderness wanderings for 40 years. He kept them safe. He kept them together. He delivered them to the doorstep of the promised land. Moses, you might remember, is the one who received the law from God on high. He delivered the Ten Commandments to the people, and he taught them how to follow God's way now that they were free. There is no one more important in the whole Hebrew Bible than Moses. But it took an unexpected second chance from God for him to become the leader that he was. Moses grew up in Egypt. The book of Exodus tells us actually that he grew up in Pharaoh's palace. You might remember the story of him as a baby. He became one of the adopted sons of Pharaoh's daughters because Moses had put him in a little basket and floated him into the reeds on the riverbank to try and protect him because authorities were going around and trying to kill young Hebrew boys. So he was hidden in a basket, and Pharaoh's daughter found him there among the reeds in the river, and she decided, she found this baby, she said, I think I'll keep him. She raised Moses then in the palace as one of her own sons, so he grew up in Pharaoh's palace. But he knew, even as a young kid, he knew that he was not an Egyptian. He was being raised by Pharaoh's daughter, but he was not an Egyptian. He knew he was a Hebrew. And one day when he was a young man, we heard in the scripture, he went out to see for himself the way the Hebrews were being treated as slaves made to work for the Egyptians. And he saw this Egyptian taskmaster giving a severe beating to a Hebrew slave, and he got angry, so enraged that after looking around and making sure he wouldn't get caught, he attacked the Egyptian and he ended up killing him. And then it says he buried the corpse in the sand and went back to the palace. And Moses, he thought he'd gotten away with it. He thought that nobody knew what he had done, killing the Egyptian. But the next day he went back to where the Hebrews were working and he saw two men arguing with each other. And he got mad again and he tried to intervene. And they said, hey, hey Moses, why don't you back off? This is our fight. What are you going to do? Try to kill one of us like you killed the Egyptian? All of a sudden Moses knew that it wasn't a secret what he'd done. He had not gotten away with murder. And he knew if other people knew, Pharaoh was soon going to know, and Moses' own life would be at risk. So he fled. He ran. He left all his wealth, all his privilege. He left the royal palace, all the family and friends that he had in the world. He ran, and he went far, far away to a place called Midian, which is probably in modern-day Saudi Arabia. He went far enough that no one would know him or have any idea what he had done, the horrible crime that he had committed. He was a murderer on the run. This is Moses. 
He went far away from any people he knew, any security he had. He had nothing. He knew no one. And then one day he sat down by a well and some women came up to water their father's flock of sheep and he helped them do that. And their father was so grateful that he invited Moses to come stay at his house. And after Moses had been at his house for a while, the father said, why don't you marry one of my daughters? This is how it worked in the scriptures. So Moses marries one of the daughters and ends up working for his father-in-law. And we might, we might consider that second chance enough, right? He'd killed a man. He'd fled from home to avoid the consequences. And not long after, here he is in a new place with a stable life and a new family. But that was not second chance enough for God. God had something else much bigger in mind. God decided to take this murdering runaway and make him a leader. Now, you might remember that story. Moses heard God call to him out of the burning bush when he was out one day tending his father-in-law's sheep, which that freaked out Moses enough, as you would imagine, a burning bush with the voice of God. That's pretty weird to hear God's call while you're in the middle of the wilderness. That's pretty weird. But God actually called Moses to leadership. This guy with such a dark past. It really defies expectations. I mean, Moses was damaged goods. Think about how you'd think about a murderer vaulted into leadership today. Moses had shown his temper could get out of control. He had shown that when things got hard, his instinct was to run away. And yet with all of that, with all of that, God decided to use Moses to lead the Hebrew people to their freedom. And you know, Moses did it. Moses went where God asked him to go and did what God asked him to do. And Moses made the, second, the most of his second chance possible. And he became the deepest friend of God that the Israelites had ever known. Moses took his second chance and it turned him from a fugitive to a pillar of faithfulness. His second chance changed his life and the lives of, of uh, his whole country forever. So when we look at the story of Moses, we see just how serious God is about second chances. Moses had screwed up everything in his life, and God still saw him as a leader. God wanted to use Moses to do something great. And I want to suggest to you this morning that what God did for Moses, God is still doing in the world. God is still finding people who desperately need a second chance and calling them to do things that are great in God's name. God is still looking for people who think that they've given away their shot and God is using them to do good in the world. So what that means for us is no matter what you are carrying today, no matter what mistakes or what trauma you have in your past, no matter what you've done, God has a second chance for you. God's got something in mind for you to do for God's kingdom. God's got a way for you to be a leader to help God's love and God's mercy take over the world. It might sound extreme to say that nothing in your past disqualifies you from being called by God, but it's true. We're loved by a God who, who simply doesn't give up on people. Hear that again, God doesn't give up on people. And that means no matter what you've done, God is ready to give you a second chance to live a life of righteousness, to live in a way that honors God and serves others. This is the heart of our faith, friends, that there isn't anything that God can't heal. There isn't anything that God can't redeem. There isn't anything that God can't use and make new. Nothing in your past disqualifies you from being called by God into leadership. 
In fact, quite the opposite. Sometimes God wants to use your biggest screw-ups to make a difference in the world. See, this giving of second chances, it's not just something God did in the Bible. God's still doing it all the time, all around us, using people that are broken or screwed up or been hurt and offering them a new path in faith, offering them a chance to lead and love. When I was living in Kansas City, I got the chance to meet somebody with this exact kind of story about God's amazing second chance. Her name is Brandy Lee, and she's the co-founder of an organization called Beauty for Ashes Uganda. Now, Brandy had been a Christian for a long time. She grew up, she got married, she had a few kids, and she was involved uh, in this ministry in East Africa that helped orphans. It was something that she and her husband did together, and it meant a lot to her. And they were also deeply, deeply, deeply involved in their church. And then things in Brandy's marriage went sideways. Hard. So sideways that she knew the only thing possible for a future for she and her children was to get a divorce. Problem was, she was a part of a church community that condemned a divorce. And they wanted her to stay with her husband, no matter how big their problems were. But she just couldn't do it. It was too difficult. So she left her husband, and unbeknownst to her, at that moment, leaving her husband also meant leaving her church, having her pastor say goodbye to her, and having most of her friends cut off all contact with her because of what she'd done. It meant, too, that she lost the ability to serve in the East African orphan ministry that she cared so much about. She was disqualified from her community, but she was not disqualified in the eyes of God. God had a second chance in mind for Brandy. She writes about this, saying, The world came crashing down for me personally. I hid out under a rock. Then I focused on healing, healing like it was my job, therapy weekly, if not more often, and every book I could get my hands on that focused on trauma and self-development. And she says, God truly began to heal me from the deep trauma and show me how to love hurting people like me. At the time, I had no clue he was preparing me to love deeply wounded people by allowing me to be deeply wounded. I had no clue that he was healing me so I might speak and live healing in the world. All I knew then was that I needed Jesus to speak truth and heal my hurting heart and that I wanted to hide out from the world. Maybe some of you have been in a moment like that. Then out of the blue, Brandy got a phone call from a woman that she knew in Uganda named Anne. And Anne wanted to start a nonprofit and she want Brandy's help. And Brandy said, no. She said, God doesn't use me that way anymore. Brandy thought she was used up, that all the trouble in her life had meant her chance had ended, but Anne kept calling her. And then Brandy says, in November of 2011, Anne called me and said, I think we're supposed to work together. And she said that she had begun putting women in her community into cooperative, single mothers there in Uganda, and they would gather together for support and encourage one another, and they would work to make their lives and their villages better, and they would pool their money so that they could start their own businesses. And now she wanted to give them, these women, she wanted to give them a gift of a cow to aid in their long-term sustainability. So Andy called Brandy and she said, do you want to buy a cow? And Brandy says, well, that sounded easy enough. She said, I remember even making my Facebook status that week. Last week I bought a van, this week I bought cows. A friend on Facebook immediately asked if she could buy cows too. And Brady says, we sent the money to Uganda, excited to be just a small part of what Anne was doing to change her community. 
And then the next week, Anne posted pictures of cow delivery day. And she sent profiles of the 18 women who had gotten our cows. And then she took it a step further, Brandy says, stretching me out of my hiding place. She said that with 30 women in the group, we would need 10 cows. We had six. Could we maybe raise money for the remaining four? Brandy said she was scared. But she posted on Facebook that night that they needed four women willing to buy cows for $200 each. And then she went to sleep scared, wondering if the Lord really planned on ever using her again. And she woke up to notifications on Facebook that eight people were interested in buying cows. She said she called Ann and, and she said, can we do more than one cooperative? And Ann said, of course, we can do this as long as God wants us to do it. And six months later, they had 300 women in groups and people from all over the world helping these, uh, to support these women. And she said, we read the stories of these women and realized their kids weren't in school because they couldn't afford school fees. And so we sent their kids back to school. And now they have 1,100, almost 1,200 women in 38 cooperatives along 32 villages in Uganda. And she says, we are so humbled and amazed to get to serve them. Brandy's world came crashing down around her. She thought she was used up as far as God was concerned, but God had a second chance in mind, and now Brandy is busy changing lives both in Uganda and in the U.S. My friends, we are loved by a God of second chances. Our God loves to take the ones who seem broken down and left behind and lift them into leadership. And what that means for us today is there is no reason at all that God can't use you. No reason. No matter our story, God has a way to use us for the kingdom. God has a way for us to serve. God has a way for us to make a difference in the lives of others and in the world. All we have to do is listen. Listen for the prompting of God's spirit, the pushing, the provoking, the offering of God for our second chance. Thanks be to God. Amen.